Tuesdays, we have a minute or so of sound before the program begins, which gives me just an extra little bit of buffer in the event that I am running late. Because, as anyone who watches the show and the program knows, sometimes traffic can be bad. There can be other obstacles on the very long commute from where I work to where this studio is. It can be treacherous, it can be time-consuming, and it can cause me to almost be late. So today, I was informed that there is no minute or so buffer before the show actually begins. So Shireen wanted to know that I would be very much aware of that. So I would be on time. So she (laughs) wouldn't have to drive the bus without me. And I was tempted to deliberately be late just to see what you would do. But the show not only must go on, it must go on at the scheduled time. So here we are. Good afternoon, Shireen. How are you today? You almost beat me here. That's the funny thing about it. So I, I can't really say anything because I was almost as late as you were today. You have a long commute, too. I do. Really long. It is so hot up here, too. 20 steps or so. Let me tell you, I'm in the attic above my garage, and it is hot. And it's not that hot outside today. I think what happened was yesterday it was 80 degrees, and the heat just kind of stayed in here. It's yeah. only 60 today. It's 85 up here right now. And, of course, I worked out before the show, as I typically do, and I took a shower and it didn't take. So first world problems to the highest order. Let's get to the news. We've got a full hour to get you up to speed with everything that's happening in the NFL. And lately, as the afternoons unfold, kind of like, what are we really going to talk about? And most days come through with a little something-something that we can sink our teeth into. The Cardinals reportedly have not yet made a contract offer to quarterback Kyler Murray. His agent, Eric Burkhart, told the team weeks ago that his opening proposal on Murray's behalf had been pulled. You may recall the manifesto that was posted on social media by Burkhart several weeks ago. And I remember thinking, and I may have written this, I can't quite remember because a lot's happened in the last month or so. There it is. Get out your magnifying glass and try to read that thing. Come on, Eric Burkhart. And Kyler Murray's got to be thinking, don't put my logo on that thing. Anyway, uh, the moves that have happened, the trade of Russell Wilson, the trade of Devontae Adams, the trade of Tyree Kill, and guys getting paid bigger and bigger money at their various positions. Deshaun Watson traded and given $230 million fully guaranteed over five years. That has to make Kyler Murray more inclined for some resolution now, not next year. And I've seen that that one of the folks who covers the Cardinals, I think it was Kent Summers, Shireen, he said, well, you know, the – Quarterbacks who have gotten their contracts after their third years, they usually get them later than this. That feels like something the team is pointing out, all due respect. The world's different now. I don't care when Patrick Mahomes got his contract. I don't care when Josh Allen got his. The world is different now. And if there's a roadblock that the team has already put up in the path of Kyler Murray getting what he thinks he deserves, and there's a huge impasse between the two sides, why linger? Why wait? Let's bring it to a head. And remember, Shereen, for a while there when we knew that each day was going to bring us something crazier than the last, I kept saying, hey, Kyler Murray getting traded. That's the next shoe to fall. Kyler Murray getting traded. Kyler Murray getting traded. So with two weeks to go until the draft, we're back on Kyler Murray getting traded watch. 
Yeah, and Mike, I went back and read exactly what you wrote, and you wrote he believes he has earned a second contract. How much that is likely going to be is going to be a point of contention or could be a point of contention, and it looks like that's what happened. And it makes sense, Mike, that this is happening now. In in my view, it makes sense because if you're Eric Burhart and you're Kyler Murray and you really want that second contract, of course you want it now, but you want it before the draft because once the draft comes, most teams have set their depth charts. Most teams are at that point, they're getting ready for the start of the season and, and they're, they're set. And so most teams after the draft are going to know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Maybe there's a team or two that still doesn't have a really good idea about what they're going to do. But his value right now to another team is higher, Mike, than it would be if they wait until after the draft. So I think the logical next step, if the Cardinals don't move on this, is for him to ask for a trade, right, before the draft, which is a couple weeks away. So don't you think that's the next step that's developing here with what, based on what we've heard today? Well, it could be moving in that direction. The problem becomes then what would the Cardinals do if Kyler Murray demands a trade? Right. Would they say, no, we're not trading you. We hold your rights for this year, next year, and we have the fifth-year option that we fully intend to exercise by May 3rd of 2023. So you play for us or you play for no one. And if you're not going to play for us, then you pay back signing bonus money based upon the allocation that would apply to this year and then next year. And he got a signing bonus probably in the range of 30 to $35 million, so he's earned half of it by playing two of the four years of his contract. He would have to give a lot of that money back. Now, the ultimate hammer that he has is the ability to go play baseball, and I know he just doesn't walk into the starting lineup of the Oakland A's. He doesn't literally say to the manager of the team, put me in coach, I'm ready to play center field. That doesn't happen. I understand that. But if he decides, I've had enough of this football life, I've had enough of this meat grinder, think about what his good friend Baker Mayfield may be telling him about the importance of taking charge of your career. At one point, Mayfield said in that podcast yesterday, it is an effing snake business. So Kyler Murray's Very good friend, maybe his best friend in football, is down on the NFL business. And that's what's playing out as Kyler Murray is trying to get his contract after he saw Baker Mayfield not get his contract. And Mayfield has to be saying privately, the only reason I didn't get my contract is I hurt my shoulder week two and I tried to play through it and everybody thinks I suck now. No, my left arm didn't work all year long. And they decided not to pay me. They decided to go get somebody else. So if Kyler hurts his ankle week two and has a bad year, maybe he gets thrown overboard for somebody next year. So all these things are swirling around. And I don't know what the right move to make is. But it won't surprise me in an era of player empowerment, Shereen, if Kyler Murray decides to stand up and say, hey, folks, I love Cardinals fans. I love the team. I love my teammates. But this is a business. And right now, The realities of this business require me to say, I want out. Well, and Mike, the problem comes in that what Murray believes he is worth and what the Cardinals believe he is worth are probably two different things. And to me, it always, based on the social media scrub and everything we saw from February on, it felt like to me that this was moving toward a divorce between the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. 
When I kind of changed my opinion was when the Cardinals gave Cliff Kingsbury that contract extension because I always thought the two of them were married and that if they were going to keep Kyler long-term, they had to keep Cliff Kingsbury long-term. If they were going to keep Cliff Kingsbury long-term, they had to keep Kyler long-term. Now I'm back to, well, maybe that's not how this is going to happen. So I'm going to propose the same thing I've proposed a couple of other times. Lamar Jackson won't engage with the Ravens. The Ravens want to engage with Lamar Jackson. The Cardinals won't engage with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray wants to engage with the Cardinals. I mean, it seems to me like it's a match made in heaven. They're similar quarterbacks, similar styles. They've had similar success in the NFL. Let's go straight up, Mike. A Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray trade. Well, here's the problem, though. What do the Cardinals do? They've got Lamar Jackson yeah. for one more year. Then they have to play the franchise tag game next year. I made the point earlier this week, and it finally dawned on me after weeks of thinking about the yeah. Lamar Jackson situation. Hey, what are the Ravens going to do next year with the franchise tag? Because non-exclusive is going to be probably in the neighborhood of $34 million for one more year. Exclusive, meaning no one can sign him to an offer sheet. No one can even talk to him. That's going to be the average of the five highest quarterback cap numbers for next year and right now that would be in the neighborhood of 45 million so you're looking at 11 million dollars roughly difference the first year then that gap gets bigger the second year because your first year tender goes up by 20 percent for your second year so that's going to be a tough decision for the Ravens the Cardinals are going to inherit that mess if they end up with Lamar Jackson so I don't know what the Cardinals do at this point the Cardinals though I, I think this is a situation where they have an old school mindset where they're in charge, they're the boss, and they'll just do nothing. They'll say no to any trade offers. Kyler Murray plays for us or plays for no one. And even if someone offers them everything, and that's the other thing too, what would you offer to get Kyler Murray? What is he really worth? It could be there's a fundamental divide between what the Cardinals value him as, dollars and cents, what Murray and Eric Burkhardt value him as, dollars yep. and cents. And then is there another team out there? And this is what I used to say about Russell Wilson. If the Seahawks don't view Russell Wilson as a short-lived franchise quarterback and won't deploy him that way, then they should trade him to a team that will. Well, if the Arizona Cardinals don't see Kyler Murray as a 45 to $50 million a year guy, then they should trade him to a team that does. Then the question becomes, is there a team out there that does? Would the Panthers view him that way? Would the Falcons view him that way? Would the Texans view him that way? I don't know. So this is a mess for everybody involved. And I'm fascinated by the fact that he surely talks to Baker Mayfield about these realities. And this is a bad time to be getting advice from Baker Mayfield. If anyone is hoping that the advice is play it out for another year, it'll be fine. Because Baker played it out for another year. And it's anything but fine after that year played out. Yeah, you're exactly right, Mike, and and, it, and it's a great discussion on how much those two have talked about this because you have to figure that they have at least had some conversations because they are tight. And I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes and how far Kyler Moore, Murray is willing to take it because I do believe there is a divide between what the Cardinals believe that Kyler Murray is worth at this point, having never won a playoff game, two Pro Bowls, and what Kyler Murray believes he's worth based on all the contracts that we've signed in this offseason, I'm sure he thinks he's closer to the top of that than the Cardinals believe he is. So 
would the Cardinals be upset, Mike, it, to, to move on from Kyler Murray? I mean, I think that's a question, too. Like, what do you do at quarterback, I guess, is the first question. They did have, by the way, Malik Willis in for a visit. So maybe that's a possibility that they think they're going to draft a quarterback and, and try to move on from, from Kyler Murray and trade him for what they can. But you would think that they could get something of value for Kyler Murray. I don't know that it's going to be as much as for Deshaun Watson, but if the Panthers were willing to put up as much as they did for Deshaun Watson, you would think they'd be willing to make a similar offer for Kyler Murray. Um, I agree. And I think back to some of the things that emerged earlier this year. Wasn't all that long ago, but feels like it was a really long time ago. The Super Bowl week development of Kyler Murray – stripping all Cardinals references from his social media pages. And then the Super Sunday splash report from Chris Mortensen, something that I thought was, frankly, and I have no leg to stand on here. I have no journalism training. I've learned it all through experience through 20-plus years. But I still have a problem with passing along under a cloak of anonymity, biting and harsh opinions about the character of a young man who has done nothing wrong. The stuff that Chris Mortensen passed along with the promise of anonymity, self-centered, finger-pointing, immature. I don't like that now. I didn't like it then. But I think it came from Michael Bidwell. I think it did. I know we're not allowed to guess sources and people get pissed off. But, you know, I really don't care. If I cared about pissing people off, I would have gotten out of this business a long time ago. <laughs> I think Bidwell was his source, and that's what made him comfortable saying it. Because if it's coming from the top of the organization, then it's fair game. So, if that's true, what was going on here? What's going on here is the Cardinals are using old school techniques for dealing with an unhappy player. That's what makes me think this whole thing could blow up in a bad yeah. way for everyone. The Cardinals have shown up for a computer fight with a Commodore 64. That's the best metaphor I can think of without having a chance to really think it through. And uh, I probably should have not used that one. But, but that's my point. They are outdated in their mindset. And it's not going to help them resolve this. It's not. Especially because, look, this is a team that has a well-earned reputation from past years of being cheap. As I've pointed out before, there was a story from Mike Silver when he was with Sports Illustrated that on Tuesdays they put padlocks on the Gatorade cabinet so the players can't get free Gatorade on their day off. And that when Robert Griffith, the former safety, signed a free agent contract, they deducted the price of the FedEx envelope from his signing bonus check. That's how careful they were with money. I don't know that that mindset has fundamentally changed. Who have they ever given a gigantic market value contract to other than Larry Fitzgerald? Have they ever really given a jaw-dropping, holy crap contract to anyone? I can't think of anyone other than Fitzgerald. I don't know that they're DeAndre ready to come Hopkins? anywhere close. Yeah, yeah, they did. You're right. Sort they of. did. They did. Sort of. Sort of. The new money average was high, but it really wasn't all that much different than the deal he already had. But because they added a couple more years and they threw on some funny money at the back end, it drove up the average to $27 million. We'll see if he ultimately gets that money on the back end of the deal. But we're talking about an age for quarterbacks where the gap – of the top 10 guys gets bigger and bigger. It used to be just a few years ago. Next guy who was in line for a new contract became the highest paid player in NFL history by a half million a year. Next guy, half million a year above that. Next guy, half million a year above that. 
Now, where do you put that dart? The board is huge. Look at that. Look at that gap from 1 to 10. Look at that. Where do you put it? And that $40.5 million for Derek Carr, I know, I know. Technically, it's right, but yeah, yeah. But still, where do you throw the dart? Where do you hit between 50.3 and 33.5? I don't know, but I have a feeling. When you look at Eric Burkhardt's tweets about quarterback contracts, he's a lot closer to 50.3 than 33.5, Shireen. Yeah, and I agree with you, Mike. And I would put somewhere in the Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and of course Russell Wilson's going to get a new deal at some point. The Broncos didn't trade for him not to give him a new deal. So at some point he's going to get even more than that. But maybe in that Dak Prescott range. But I don't know if Connor Murray views himself even worth more than that. I mean, he has made the Pro Bowl the last two years. So this, to me, just seems like it's going to get ugly, Mike. And and it's going to be really interesting if he holds out, because I don't expect him to show up in the offseason program based on what we've heard. But if he continues to hold out the mandatory minicamp, then we have training camp. What if he's not there for the Cardinals? And I think this is a Cardinals team that has the talent to win a Super Bowl. I mean, through seven games last season, maybe through 11 games, but at least through seven games last season, we were talking about this being the best team in football. And then DeAndre Hopkins got, got hurt. And then Kyler Murray got banged up. Uh, and missed a couple games, so they weren't the same team. But this has all the appearance of me of a Super Bowl contender. But if you don't have Kyler Murray in training camp, even if he were to come back, Mike, for the start of the season, I don't know that's how much that's going to set you back going into the year. But, I, you know, how willing is he now to just say, that's it, I'm done. Until you pay me, I'm not going to step foot in that facility again and what are the cardinals going to do this this just to me looks like a mess and it looks like it's going to get really really ugly yes and i think if it's ever going to come to a head before the draft now's the time for it to start to ramp up and we'll see where it goes between the cardinals and kyler murray you mentioned how things were going last year they were unbeaten going into that Thursday night game against the Green Bay Packers. And it was at the end of that game, next to last play, Kyler Murray hurt his ankle. And I think that ankle bothered him the rest of the season, just like the Baker Mayfield left shoulder. And Kyler Murray missed some time, came back and played, wasn't the same guy the rest of the year. And what's the narrative? Kyler stinks. Kyler faded down the stretch. Kyler just isn't good enough. You know, he starts strong, but then he falls apart, just like Cliff Kingsbury's teams dating back to 2013. And to the extent that the Cardinals are buying into that narrative, I just think that's going to cause major problems between the team and the player. And I'm trying to find out whether it's true that he's not expected to play without a new contract. It's not an issue of him getting a new contract. They'll give him a contract, I assume. The question is... Will there be an intersection of what Eric Burkhart wants and what the Cardinals will pay? And I think that was at the core of the problems between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Remember the report, the Joe Thomas report, that the Browns would have yeah. paid him $30 million a year and somebody tried to shout that down through Mary Kay Cabot even though they didn't attach their name to it? Yeah, I, I think the truth is if they had actually sat down and negotiated, they would have gotten a deal done for $30 million a year. But that's not what Baker wanted, and the Browns knew it, and both sides knew they'd be wasting their time. 
They're going to sit there saying, I want 40, I want 30. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll come back in an hour. All right, here we are again. We're negotiating. Where are we? Oh, I want 40, you want to give me 30. If, if there is a fundamental divide that can't be bridged, there's no point. I think the Browns would have given him 30. I think they would have. And I think the Cardinals would give Kyler Murray 30 to 35. But my guess is he wants 45 to 50. I think that's the fundamental problem here. Yeah, exactly, Mike. And, and there may be no middle, middle ground. 40 may not be enough. The Dak Prescott contract may not be enough for Kyler Murray and Eric Burkhart. He may want more than that. And if he does, the, the Cardinals may just throw up their hands and say, all right, well, play for us or don't play for anybody. Or, or, and maybe they do listen to trade offers if there's something out there that's big enough for Kyler Murray. And then that's the next question, Mike, is anybody willing to give Kyler Murray that contract? Even if the Cardinals would start exploring a trade, would anybody give Kyler Murray a contract? And I think that's a legitimate question. But see, that's the dynamic we've seen play out with Devontae Adams. Tyree Kill, eventually Russell Wilson, because the Broncos are going to have to give him a huge contract. Yeah. They're going to have to at some point this year or next year. I would do it before the new owner shows up, frankly, just in case the new owner decides to be extremely careful with money. But uh, it, and, and, and that, that's, that's the challenge. You've got the team that knows Kyler Murray. Let's say they're in the range of 30 to 35 million. You have to find a team that is in the right range, 45 to 50 million. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, let's assume that that's the gap because that's the kind of thing that would lead to where we are. Um, they'd have to be willing to pay that and give the Cardinals enough to get the Cardinals to part with him. And I always say when you're talking about trading for a guy, it's a combination of what you have to give the team and what you have to give the player. And the more you have to give the team, the less you're going to give the player. The more you have to give the player, the less you want to give the team. And it, it works hand in hand, and that becomes part of the challenge. So, hey, we know the Saints, the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, excuse me, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons were the three teams that were ultimately cast yeah. aside by Deshaun Watson. So those would be the first three teams to look at for a potential Kyler Murray trade. And then we just see where it goes. And I, I would put the Texans in there, too. I would definitely the put Seahawks. the Texans Wouldn't in you there. put the Seahawks? They wouldn't trade him to the Seahawks. Would they trade him to the Seahawks? Oh, yeah. Hello. They they, the it's in the division. It has, it's not it unprecedented. Has to be a lot. It's not, not unprecedented. Not unprecedented. If they really think the guy's not all that. And you know what? If I'm Kyler Murray, I don't know that I want to go there because here I no. come through the door, another Russell Wilson-type player, and they failed to properly use Russell Wilson. Why do I think they're going to properly use me? But I think that we'd watch the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints, and the Texans. Those would be the four teams that I would watch the most closely, and we see where it goes from there. But, you know, a, a point that Chris Sims makes all the time when he watches Kyler Murray play, and when you take away his mobility, he suddenly is a lot shorter. He seems a lot yeah. smaller when you take away the running ability. He's like a little kid out there if he can't run. He can't see over the guys. He looked very ordinary in the playoff game, and that's the most recent memory we have. I know he had a great season, but that's the most me recent memory we have, the Cardinals have, and every other team has. So this is not going to be easy. There may be plenty of teams out there that say, we're just not taking the guy because he's below the threshold of the minimum height that we think is allowable to be a consistently great quarterback in the NFL. So. It's, it's, hey, it's back on the front burner, and I think it's going to stay there until the draft. This is kind of like 
what happened with Aaron Rodgers last year, but instead of it happening one day before the draft, it's happened two weeks before the draft. And, Mike, that was his career worst performance based on what his passer rating was. So that, that is the most recent memory we have of him. And here's the other thing we haven't talked about. The talent that he has on the Cardinals is way better than any of those teams that you mentioned him going to. The Saints, I guess, would be a, a second, but I don't even know if it's a close second. I mean, we don't know how Michael Thomas is going to be coming back considering he hasn't played very much in the last two seasons. But, you know, I just think when you look at that Cardinals talent on that team, if he can't win there, I don't know that he's going to win anywhere. They've just got tons of talent. Even losing Christian Kirk to the Jaguars – you still got two really good receivers. And, oh, by the way, they re-signed A.J. Green, who had a pretty good season last season. So when you look at all that talent they have, tight end, Zach Ertz, some off, pretty good offensive line, you, you got pretty good uh, running backs. This is a pretty good team, a team that has a chance to contend. Any of those other teams you talked about, I don't know if that's really the case. The Saints would be the closest to that, Mike. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, one area of concern was addressed today by the Green Bay Packers, although I still think they have more work to do. And I feel like this is just kind of a placeholder. So if they don't find the guy that they want in the draft, if they don't get the guy they want in the draft, they can at least say, hey, we have someone who can be the number one receiver on our depth chart while we continue to try to figure that out. And I'm referring to the agreement that will send receiver Sammy Watkins to the Packers on a one-year, $4 million deal, which clearly cries out not a number one receiver. As the market inches toward $30 million per year for top receivers, here's Sammy Watkins at $4 million, and for good reason. Career has been wildly inconsistent. Remember everything the Bills gave up back in 2014 yeah. to get him when they could have stayed where they were and had Odo Beckham Jr., or Aaron Donald for that matter, And Sammy Watkins has just never. And I think when you enter the NFL with that kind of burden of expectation, it makes it difficult to be the guy that you can be. But at least it's someone that they can say, all right, we've got our our safety net. Now we can see who we get in the draft. Because one of the fascinating wrinkles of the draft, you've got the Packers with a pair of first-round picks. You've got the Chiefs with a pair of first-round picks. And they both are looking for a receiver. And they both may decide that they want the same guy. And only one of them is going to get him. So former Chief and Bill and Raven, and I think that's the full list. Sammy Watkins is now a member of the Green Bay Packers, but I think they still have more work to do. Yeah, in the last four seasons, Mike, the problem with him is he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. He's missed 19 games and scored five touchdowns. So, yeah, they're not getting a number one receiver. This guy looks like he's on the backside of his career, even at 28 years old. He just hasn't played that well. Career lows last season all the way down the board, just can't stay on the field. And, and he had, by the way, he had a ton of drops. He had one of the lowest catch percentages in the NFL last season. So just really hasn't gotten it done here lately. Now he's going to play with a pretty darn good quarterback, the best quarterback maybe he's ever played with. Patrick Mahomes obviously has been really, really good. So he's going to have a chance to kind of revive that career now because they are going to be counting on him. But I'm with you. They're definitely going to use a first-round pick on a receiver. The question is, who do they end up with? Um, and, and you're right. The Chiefs could also want that same receiver. So there could be a process there where one, one of them has to trade up to try to get the receiver they want. So we'll see how that plays out. But I expect them to draft, Mike, more than one receiver, one in the first round. And I think they'll get more than that. 
And, hey, by the way, there's still some really good veteran receivers out there and probably will be more out there after the draft. They're going to sign another veteran receiver or two as well. Here's what I'm curious about. What does Aaron Rodgers think of Sammy Watkins? Because we know he did the Veruca Salt routine to get Randall Cobb back last year. And we know that he has said publicly, hey, I don't like being treated like a mere employee. I've been here 15 years. I would like them to take advantage of my experience, my knowledge, my expertise. And they should, by the way. I've been saying time and again, Aaron, I'm on your side with this, pal. I've been saying time and again. I'm just trying to get him not to throw a football at me if he ever sees me anywhere, but because we know he he will throw a football at you and just miss you. But uh, I digress. Um, (laughs) I think they should have him involved in scouting the incoming class of receivers. They should let him give his input on what he likes, what he doesn't like, where he thinks it'll work, where it may not work, all of those sorts of things to come to the conclusion as to whether or not the guys they target are the guys that he wants. So I want to know, did he want Sammy Watkins? Did they ask him about Sammy Watkins? Does he have a preconceived notion of Sammy Watkins based upon guys he knows around the league who say, yeah, you know, Sammy's all right, but this, but that. Because there has to be a but something to explain why Sammy Watkins is available in the middle of April for one year, $4 million. So I want to know how involved he is in this because he's not going to be there for the offseason program. He better feel good about who the options are when training camp rolls around, Shireen, because there's going to be a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it in. And uh, if he doesn't click with these guys, whoever they are, it's going to be hard to get everybody ready to go week one, and that's going to make it harder for the Packers to be as good as they need to be. Yeah, I'm really surprised he's not showing up for the offseason program based on where they are at the receiver position. But they better be having some – workouts on their own that Aaron Rodgers leads before training camp even starts. And then training camp's going to be big for them. I mean, they're going to have to put in a lot of work and probably some overtime to, to really get to know each other because he's going to have a ton of new receivers on this team, Mike, and he's not going to have Devontae Adams to lean on anymore. Let's go ahead and take a break. Plenty more PFT Live to come, including the important question of what the Seahawks would actually give to get Baker Mayfield in a trade from the Cleveland Browns. We'll take a look at that when PFT Live continues right after. Tom Brady has a request for Elon Musk. If you buy Twitter, can you delete the combine photo? Elon Musk probably has the power to purchase the NFT of that photo and then order through some sort of digital mechanism, the destruction spontaneously of all copies of that photo and erase it from existence. I mean, just the, like, I don't know much about Elon Musk. I don't know much about Tesla. I don't pay much attention to any of this. But the guy gives off the vibe of a Bond villain, doesn't he? Even the name, it just oozes <laughs> uh-huh. evil. And, and I don't know anything about the guy, but Elon Musk. I mean, it sounds like a name that somebody's sitting at a typewriter came up with to encapsulate the worst villain that they could imagine. But if I'm Tom Brady, Mike, I want that picture to look at it. That is not a flattering picture. It is horrible. And he wonders why he went number 199. If anybody wonders, right? why put that up again. You want to know why Tom Brady went 199th <laughs> overall? Uh-huh. This is why Tom Brady was picked number 199 in the draft. It's because at the combine, he showed up looking like a middle-aged dad who rolled out of bed with a raging prostate and was fumbling for the bathroom. 
Look at that. <laughs> He's 21 years old. Body by Mick Ultra was Tom Brady back in 2000. Good Lord. Yeah, people wonder what everyone missed. They didn't miss anything. It was right in our faces. I don't know what. I still, I still have a theory. I still have a theory. There's some sort of a damn Yankees thing that Tom Brady did, that he did one hell of a deal with the devil. I used to think that back in the early part of the first decade when they won three in four years, that he sold his soul. And then the stuff that keeps happening tells me, he got a hell of a deal on his soul when you look at everything that's happened for this guy over the past 20 years, yeah. right? Uh, burning, burning in hell for all eternity may be worth it when you consider everything that this guy's got going for him. So, and it feels like he's just getting started. So anyway, that is why he was picked number 199. That photo in and of itself. All right, uh, let's move on. The Seattle Seahawks finalizing a deal with quarterback Geno Smith. The deal is reportedly up to $7 million for one year. He started three games last year when Russell Wilson had his finger injury. Remember, he came into that Thursday night game against the Rams and, and gave the Rams a run for their money. It was an exciting game. He was, it was great. Yeah. They were chanting his name. Remember that? It was huge. Yeah. It was good. And it was, it was fun to see because he's never really been the guy that we thought he was going to be. I remember when he was at West Virginia 2012, five games in, three, four, five games in. He had 25 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Heisman Trophy contender, and it all kind of fell apart after that. And then he wasn't a first-round pick, and he was the starter for the Jets for two years, and it never worked really well. He's the answer to a trivia question because he's the guy that started when they benched Eli Manning in 2017. And now he's just part of the depth chart with Drew Locke, Jacob Eason, and what Pete Carroll said a few weeks ago before they re-signed Geno Smith, they want him back, but that wouldn't take them out of the quarterback business. So he's back. He's going to compete. He gives them a safety net like Sammy Watkins gives the Packers a safety net, but they can still try to get somebody else, whether it's in the draft or whether it's a Baker Mayfield. So I don't think it closes the door for anyone else. I just think this is a piece that they felt like they needed as they prepare to go into training camp with some sort of a competition in order to figure out who the best option is, Shereen. Yeah, I was there for Pete Carroll's press conference at the owners' meetings when he said that that won't take us out of the quarterback business but we do expect to have Geno back and he spoke very highly of Geno Smith he likes Geno Smith and Geno Smith knows that offense now he's only made five game appearances in three years but when you look at what he's done Mike the experience that he has to me he's the best quarterback on that depth chart he's better than Drew Locke and I know they speak highly of Drew Locke I was there when Pete Carroll spoke highly of Drew Locke but what has Drew Locke done to make you think that he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback? I haven't seen it. Maybe they've seen something I haven't seen. I mean, they get paid to do this, but I haven't seen it. But in my view, when you look at their depth chart right now, I would put Geno Smith number one on that depth chart. He did have five touchdowns and an interception last season, passed for 702 yards, started three games. So I like this move for them. I think it's one they had to make because if they don't get another quarterback, to me, he's going to be your starter probably going into week one. But I do expect a Mike, whether it's the draft, whether it's a veteran quarterback like Baker Mayfield, whoever it may be, I don't think any of these guys is going to end up starting week one for the Seahawks barring injury. Baker Mayfield said in the You Never Know podcast hosted by Mike Period. He used to be Mike Stud. Now he's Mike literally with a little stud at the end of his name. It's Mike, period. That's the guy. 
Sims and I spent a lot of time this morning trying to figure out who this guy is, why he didn't seem to know all that much about Baker Mayfield's football career, and why they just whiffed on so many opportunities for meaningful follow-up. Because there were so many things I would have loved to have asked Baker Mayfield based upon the things he said sitting on that couch next to the, the dog that stole the show. Never moved. So, so, if the Seahawks are interested in Baker Mayfield, because he clearly has them on his radar screen, what does the deal look like when you consider that the Browns owe $18.8 million. If they cut Baker Mayfield, someone pays him $1.035 million and the Browns are on the hook for the rest. If they cut Baker Mayfield, maybe he goes straight to Pittsburgh, which I don't think the Browns would want. What do the Seahawks ultimately do here? And now that the Seahawks have Geno Smith, see, maybe they have the luxury of time. Because I think there is an argument to be made. Hey, Seahawks, do the deal now yeah. so you get Baker Mayfield in your building so he's ready to go. You don't want to wait until July to do this. You'd like to have him around. You'd like to get him up to speed. And as long as the Browns hold his rights, the Seahawks don't. But, Shereen, I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how this deal would look. Because if I'm the Seahawks, I may say to them, you know, if you cut him, you're still paying him $17.7 million, and you don't want him to go yeah. to Pittsburgh. So if you want to be sure he doesn't go to Pittsburgh, you send him to us, we pay him $1.035 million, and you give us a sixth-round draft pick, and that's how we'll do this deal. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair deal, and I think it's a deal that the Browns should absolutely jump on to keep him from going to Pittsburgh. It makes sense, really, for both sides – the Seahawks have nothing to lose here, Mike. He plays for him one year. If, if he plays great, then guess what? They're going to be willing to pay him because they have their quarterback of the present and the quarterback of the future. So they're going to be willing to pay him if he plays well. This, to me, is just a no-lose for the Seahawks, and it's a no-lose for the Browns. I don't know what they think they're going to get, but they're not getting much for Baker Mayfield because everyone knows that he's not going to be on their roster once training camp starts. So if they can't trade him, they're going to have to cut him, and they're going to be responsible for most of that money anyway, Mike. Yeah, it's a fascinating situation. And the one thing that I really would have liked to have seen Mike, period, drill down on yesterday, <laughs> whether or not Baker Mayfield is going to play along with this. You know, yeah. before the Deshaun Watson trade, the thinking was Mayfield's just staying away from everything to get the trade that he wants. Now to get the outcome he wants, he may be best served by saying, I'll be there with bells on. I'll be ready to go. I'm ready to practice. I'm ready to participate. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. And it creates a distraction at a time when they are already dealing with Deshaun Watson and his various distractions, 22 of them to be precise. You don't need Baker Mayfield there saying all sorts of things. Why don't they just cut me? Hey, if they got a problem with it, you know, they know what to do. All they have to do is cut me. I'm just here trying to get better at playing football. And until I get to go where I want to go, I'm going to show up and I'm going to practice and I'm going to be around the guys. And I can't imagine the Browns wanting that. And see, there's a problem with pushing that too far, though, because you may turn off your next suitor unless there's some sort of cahoots yeah. or tampering that's going on, not the tampering Never happens in the NFL. But that, that's the angle that I would really want. If I had a chance to talk to Baker Mayfield about it, I would say, yeah. how are you going to deal with the Browns slow playing this as they wait for an injury, as they wait for the offer they want, as they keep you on the roster indefinitely 
at a time when you definitely would like to be with a new team. How hard do you rattle the cage to get out of Cleveland? I don't know that he's thought that through. I'd like to think that he has. He seems like a smart, self-aware guy. I want to know what his plan is for dealing with the Browns. He already said he feels disrespected. He already basically said they lied to me. They told me one thing and did something else. Why does he feel inclined to play ball with the Browns at this point? They created this mess. They've already moved on from him. Why should he sit there and wait for the Browns to have their ideal trade opportunity open up for them while Baker Mayfield is just lingering and languishing and waiting to see where he's going to go? I would love to tap into some of those conversations between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield because you're right. It would serve Baker Mayfield well to show up. It would serve Kyler Murray well not to show up. So I'd love to hear those conversations. I got a trivia question for you, Mike. Only two previous quarterbacks drafted number one overall lasted four or fewer seasons by the team that drafted them. Do you know who those two quarterbacks are? One of them is fairly obvious. The other one put a little thought into ever only two quarterbacks ever, ever only two lasted four or fewer seasons with the team 18, that drafted him 16 17 18 19 uh. um yeah and see when you say it's obvious that freaks me out and makes me think that what am i missing here i'm i'm sure i'm missing one that's staring me right in the face jeff george is he one that's one and that wasn't the All one right. i thought you would get right off the bat okay well jeff george is one and now, yeah. I, now the obvious one that's staring me right in the face, but Vinny, Vinny Testaverde? Uh, Jamarcus Russell. Oh, Jamarcus Russell. Yes, that is the obvious one. That, that guy lasted such a short time in the NFL that it's yeah. easy to forget him. Forgot He's actually number one, yeah. I, I actually have down in my barn, I don't know if you saw this when, when you were here a couple of years ago. I mean, the last few years are just like a complete and total – it feels like it feels like I have not left for ten years continuously. But I've got a quarterback <laughs> graveyard of the old McFarland figures, and it's all oh, yeah. the quarterbacks who have have busted. It's Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, Brady Quinn. I lucked up everyone that I could find. That's awesome. Of a guy that busted, and he's down there. And the latest additions were Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston. Winston could Winston yeah. could be eventually removed from that group but there's like 10 of them down there rg3 um anyway so uh, yeah jamarcus russell he's down there in my quarterback graveyard how could i have forgotten jamarcus russell let's go ahead and take a break Derek carr a raiders quarterback who worked worked out much better than jamarcus russell uh got paid like a top 10 quarterback but is he one buy or sell up next and that will be one of the topics more pfpm right after this You know, can the question of can I win a playoff game? Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, like, yes, just because we hadn't, just because we had one chance and we lost in the last series of a game to the AFC champions, yeah, I think we can, you know. Um, uh, and it just shows you how close we were. That's Derek Carr talking about the fact that he has not won a playoff game. Kirk Cousins can say, He's won a playoff game. So now that Derek Carr is making $40.5 million per year in new money, although there's some BS baked into those reports, but, but it's the actual calculation, but it's not re- – we'll see. We'll see if he's there all four years. I digress. Buy or sell. Derek Carr, given his top-10 quarterback contract, is a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. What say you? 
I'm selling, Mike, because I made a list. No particular order. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert. That's eight, okay? And I think you would nobody would argue that except maybe Derek Carr, but nobody would argue those eight. And then I'm going to argue that Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson are better than Derek Carr. So now we're beyond 10. And then maybe you throw in Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know, but at least Jimmy Garoppolo started a Super Bowl. I would say he's a top 15 quarterback, Mike. Top 10, no. And I always say that when you talk about someone as a top 10 quarterback in a vacuum, what happens is if you would talk about all the quarterbacks and have that conversation, you would end up with 20 top 10 quarterbacks. It is an exclusive club. And I don't think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback. He's between 10 and 15, closer to 15. That's what I yep. I think. And Agreed. Sims will be doing his comprehensive top 40 quarterback countdown. We'll have it on PFT Live as we get close to the end of the run where we take a break for about a month or so in June, and we'll structure it after the draft. There'll be two a day up until we get him done, and it'll be interesting to see where he puts Carr. Carr had 4,800 passing yards last year. I mean, Carr is good. Carr is good, but he's not yeah. top 10. And uh, his contract is not as good as the other $40 million contracts that we have seen. Next topic, buy or sell. The Browns were disrespectful to Baker Mayfield. Uh, no, I don't think that's the case, Mike. I'm selling that. I mean, this is a business, and I think Baker Mayfield has learned that this is a business, and there's no loyalty on either side ever. It, it is what it is, as the players like to say. I mean, they, they draft you number one overall, and they expect certain things for you, for, from you, and when it doesn't happen, they move on and try to upgrade at that position. It's just the way it is, and it's certainly the way it is in Cleveland. We've seen it repeatedly in this organization of them changing quarterbacks, drafting quarterbacks, trading for quarterbacks, signing quarterbacks, whatever they have to do. They haven't gotten it right. They think they have it right now with Deshaun Watson. He's an upgrade on Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, Baker. He's an upgrade on you. Here's how I look at it, and it's very simple to me. And this goes back to the interview conducted of Baker Mayfield by Mike, period. When Baker Mayfield says, they said one thing to me and they did another, what? What? Natural curiosity, Mike, period. What did they say to you that they did differently? I think, based upon the reports that have been out there and the way that we've analyzed them, they told him at the end of the regular season, you're our guy. And then at some point after that, they said, you're our guy unless we can get Deshaun Watson or someone of that ilk, which is saying one thing and doing another. And is it disrespectful to lie to somebody? I'm a firm believer in it. Even in a cold, bottom-line business, you don't make that kind of broad proclamation to someone. You don't make that promise to someone unless you're willing to live up to it. And if they told him, you're my guy, and they're not, they changed that. I, I think he has the right to feel that he was disrespected if he feels like he was lied to, because I think it is disrespectful to lie to somebody, even though lies get told all the time for strategic reasons in the NFL. So I think uh, assuming that that's the reason, that that's what he would have said, if Mike period, formerly known as Mike Stud, would have asked him that question, then I think he was disrespected. All right, buy or sell. Cardinals made a mistake by not extending Kyler Murray earlier this offseason. 
Well, probably based on what we've seen now with the contracts and where they've gone, Mike, I think it would have behooved them to do it right after the playoffs ended and, and get it done. And Kyler probably would be upset at the contract he has now, and the Cardinals would probably be very happy with that contract. But who knew that things were going to play out as they, as they did? And now they have, and so now there is a rift between team and player, Mike. I want the next guy who has real leverage like Deshaun Watson had, and he had real leverage. Even with 22 lawsuits against him, he was able to get a five-year fully guaranteed contract. I want the next guy with that kind of leverage to say, I want 17.3425% of the salary cap each and every year. That's what I want. So as the cap goes up and the market goes up, I'm protected, and my pay is going to be driven by that percentage of the cap. That's the best deal to get, and you're right. If the Cardinals had done a deal earlier for Kyler Murray, they'd be thinking, hey, that was pretty smart. And Kyler Murray would be thinking, man, I really blew it. I should have waited. That's the bottom line here. Even though Kyler Murray isn't happy with the fact that the Cardinals are putting him off, the longer the Cardinals put him off, the better things get. What if Russell Wilson does a deal between now and, and June or July? Better for Kyler Murray. Another data point. Because you know Russell Wilson's deal is going to be a good one. It's going to be five years. Or well, it would be a five-year total contract, and my guess, my guess is the starting point for that conversation is Deshaun Watson. Starting point, start this. It, 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 bottom line, we, we this is this. Don't even come to the table, Broncos. This would be my position if I'm Mark Rogers, the guy who has only one client in the NFL, so he can always drive a hard bargain, and has all the leverage now because they've given up so much to get Russell Wilson, and they're building the team around him. Your opening offer had better not be lower than five years, $230 million fully guaranteed. We're going to go from there. That's the price of admission to even sit down and talk. We'll see what the contract becomes above that. But we're not even beginning the negotiation unless you show up at five years, 230 fully guaranteed. That's my thought. Yeah, ex- exactly, Mike. That's where it needs to start for him, and I'm sure that's where he expects it to start. Why All right, let's you? take a break. Let's take a break. I'm sorry I rambled into a topic beyond the one that we were supposed to address. That's on me. We take a break. We bust open the PFTPM mailbag when we wrap up this Thursday edition of the program right after this.
The NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has money up for grabs this weekend, and it is free to play as many games as you want. This weekend features contests that include the Premier League, Texas-based teams, and the Food City Dirt Race. Download the Predictor app from your app store. It's hard for me to say food and dirt in the same breath, but I am a, I am a firm believer in the five-second rule, so maybe I shouldn't be as put off by food and dirt. It depends on what the food is. If the food is really good Ask and it gets Sam's a little dirt on that. it, I, well, that's true. I would never. I don't care. I don't care how good the hamburger <laughs> is. If it hits the floor at LaGuardia, I ain't touching it. It's uh, trash. Anyway, let's get to uh, some of these questions. Tyler Hergert, is Daniel Snyder? Oh, we need to get our crystal balls out for this one. We need to, you know, we know how they do their hands yeah. over the crystal ball. Is Daniel the Snyder? Ball. The Washington Commanders owner on February 12, 2023, Shireen. Why don't we deem February 12th? That's, is that the day after the Super Bowl? That's the day of the day? Super Bowl, I think. It's the day, day of, of the Super Bowl, okay. Uh, I'm going to say he will not be the owner of the Washington Commanders on February 12th, 2023. I think he will be Ooh. out of office. At Old Takes Exposed, the handle is NFL Shireen. Go get her <laughs> if he's still the owner. I think that, you know, I really don't know. And the fact that I don't know makes me think there's a good chance he won't be. So I'll join you on that wall. Ooh. They can come get both of us if he's still the owner on February 12 of next year. PFTP and Posse, how many years does Bill Belichick have to win another Super Bowl before? People start questioning how much of his success was because of Tom Brady only and he's truly not the best coach of all time uh, how, how much longer they're, they're three years without a playoff win and obviously two seasons without a playoff win with with Tom Brady not there I'm gonna give Mac Jones two more years so what Tom Brady won it in his second year am I correct on that and so I'm gonna give Mac Jones is coming off his rookie season two more years but if they don't win it two more years. I do think there's going to be some talk about that, that it was all Tom Brady. It's not going to be talk within the organization, but it is going to be talk outside of, is this truly the greatest coach of all time? The other side of this that we didn't include, if Brady wins another one, that makes it even worse. Right. And Brady could win another one this year. And then he, he could, could go to Miami. With a different and team. He could, yeah. he could potentially best the Patriots. You know that Miami thing is going to happen. One way or another, he's yeah. going to end up oh, yeah. working for, playing for, or owning a part of the Dolphins, and then that makes it even 